Hi everyone, this is Nick Jorgensen from Acts 29, and you have tuned in to our podcast, You Are Born for This, with Father John Ricardo. But in this episode, we're recording a special podcast to announce the publishing of our new white paper. In this shorter and different episode, I'm going to be interviewing Father John about this paper. It is our hope that this white paper will circulate as widely as possible, but in this episode, we want to give you a look at our motivation in writing this. In other words, the goal here isn't to summarize the white paper as we think it speaks for itself and we want you to read it. Instead, we want to offer a quick peek behind the curtain to see how the Holy Spirit has moved us to put this together. With that said, you can find this white paper entitled Reimagining What a Catholic Parish Can Be, a Destination for the 21st Century, by going to our website, acts29.org, or the direct URL, imaginethis.acts29.org. And Acts 29 is spelled A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org. So with that, let's begin. Welcome, Father John. Hey, thanks, Nick. Father, this has been a labor of love for all of us on the Acts 29 team, as this is truly a collective effort. Maybe the best place to start is by simply asking you, what's a white paper, Father John? Yeah, we've been saying to all sorts of friends, hey, we're pray for us, we're writing a white paper, and over and over again, they go, hey, cool, uh, what's a white paper? So, um, first of all, just huge thanks to you, to Deacon Steve, to Mary, to Chris, uh, to Kelly, um, for all the help on this. This really has been just an amazing grace for us all to work on together. So, a white paper, uh, maybe the easiest way for us to think of it is uh, it's a genre that proposes a solution to a problem. But even saying that, like we want to be really careful in setting a tone um, that we don't think there's a solution. We don't think God's given us the answer to reimagining Catholic parishes. <laughs> um, but we do want to begin a conversation and we want to share things from our own experience uh, in parish ministry and diocesan ministry and from ministering to people over the last number of years uh, that we think are certain just kind of crucial elements uh, at arriving for a solution for what parishes in the 21st century can and should be. So in preparing for this episode, uh, Father John, the Lord brought to mind a scripture passage that we often use when we lead retreats. Can you share that passage with us and why it's such an important piece to start? Yeah, the passage is in Mark 8, and it's the story of uh, the multiplication of the loaves. So if you remember, Jesus has been teaching all day. He said, pity on the crowds because they're there um, and they have nothing to eat, and he doesn't want to send them away. He's afraid that they'll collapse on the way. It's kind of a great image for the church right now. Uh, we're hungry right now in the middle of this pandemic. We're literally hungry for the Eucharist, right? Um, we're hungry for answers. We're hungry for so many things and people are weary. And so Jesus says, I don't want to send them away. I want to feed them. And th the disciples are like, where in the world are you going to feed these people? Uh, where's the food? And he says, well, what do you guys have? And they said, well, we've got seven loaves. That's great. Mm. 5,000 people, seven loaves. And he says, bring them to me. And so the, the disciples bring the seven loaves to Jesus and Jesus, as he does, right? This is such a Eucharistic image. He, he takes them, he blesses them, he breaks them, and then he gives them to the disciples. And he says to the disciples, now you give them something to eat. And so they do. So you can picture like the apostles going, oh, this is not a good plan, Lord. <laughs> we, got, we got little scraps of bread and we're going to start breaking these off for people. And yet what happens, right, is that they all ate and were satisfied. And so the reason why that passage is so significant 
you know, one of our core values is in Acts 29 is we are ambitious for God, which means two things. One, it means we don't think much about ourselves. We have the equivalent of seven loaves. But God's the creator of the universe. And he can do extraordinary things with meager amounts. And so we want to present this to the crowds, if you will. We feel like God has given us something to give. Even, you know, even the bread was God's creation to begin with. Just as the disciples brought the bread to Jesus and Jesus blessed it, broke it, and then gave it to the disciples. So uh, we feel like the Lord's given us something to share. And we sense it's prophetic. That's to, for others to discern, quite honestly. We just want to get it out there and let people um, read it, pray with it, and then trust that Jesus will do something with it. And uh, hopefully it'll be a means by which people can find food in this uncertain time when so many are hungry. Thank you, Father John. So, so here we are, bringing our loaves before the people, trusting in the Lord to do things with our meager offerings. So, Father John, what then are the origins of this white paper? Yeah, there's, I think there's really three. So the first is just, so my own life as a priest, so I'm, I'll be ordained a priest 24 years this coming May. Um, all of us in Acts 29 have been involved in parish ministry, diocesan ministry for most of our adult lives. And um, we collectively have just experienced as we've moved out of parish ministry into this work, something like PTSD, <laughs> as strange as that sounds. Mm. So for the first couple months of our work, right, we would routinely look at each other as we're trying to think about and pray about what God was asking us to do in this ministry. And we realized our primary work was to pray and think on behalf of those who oftentimes in parish and diocesan life don't have time to pray and think the way we wanted to because we spent most of our time playing whack-a-mole, you know, just putting out fires and going from trauma to trauma to trauma. So much so that I know in my case, in about halfway through the month of July, I took the month of July off and I woke up one day and I realized I think I really am in PTSD and I had no idea. And so as we've gone around the country over the last 10, 11 months now, we've brought, you know, somewhere around 550 priests or so on retreat. I share that experience over and over again with guys. And as we do that, as we talk about what the life of priesthood is like or parish ministry is like, you just see guys begin to nod. We see guys begin to weep. Hmm. And as we try to pour into them, it's confirmed over and over again, not to say that every guy's in crisis, that's not what we're saying, but the state of the priesthood because of the nature of parish ministry is just in a fragile place right now in so many places. And so that's the first origin, right? So the first origin is our experience in ministry itself, and then our experience in ministering to both priests and their teams and their staffs around the country, which we've been involved in, not just with Acts 29, uh, but then also in, uh, even when we were in parishes, we were mentoring others. And then of course, there's this thing called the COVID-19 pandemic. 
And so as we're not a think tank, I mean, we've, we do ministry around the country. That's what we do. We travel to diocese and we bring priests on retreat and we try to share with them what we feel like God has shared with us, mindful that um, we think we have something to say about transformation of the church without having the answer because nobody has the answer. But when COVID hit, it, just like everybody else, it put a break on our work. And so we had to pivot quickly and we started to ask and the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do now? What are you asking of us? And what began to happen was we felt like in our own prayer, our conversations amongst, each, uh, amongst ourselves, this paper began to emerge as something that we felt we needed to share. Because what's happening is uh, the pandemic and the shutting down of the economy and the impact it's having on the world, it's acting as a catalyst for change in so many industries, whether it's education or travel or just how we work it, you know, whether we can work from home. But in the church, what it's acting as, it seems, is more like an accelerant, meaning because of uh, not, not only, but perhaps especially the financial impact of what COVID's going to do to Catholic parishes and dioceses around the country. Churches are going to have to, dioceses are going to have to address what are we going to do going forward because we simply don't have the money that we had before. And so we actually think, I don't know if God's willed this or if he's allowed it, but he's at least allowed it, right? And so this has happened. Nothing happens outside of God's will, at least his permissive will. And we think the Lord is actually offering the church right now an amazing opportunity to address something at its roots, which has to get addressed if the church is going to flourish and if we're going to be able to best do what it is that Jesus has instituted us to do because the church exists for the sake of those who don't belong to her. Hmm because we exist to evangelize, right? Yeah. So as we were praying about this conversation, uh, Deacon Steve Mitchell, a teammate of ours, uh, shared with us an image, an analogy, if you will, that we all thought can really help better understand what we're trying to offer here. Father John, would you comment on that analogy? Yeah, I, I love the analogy, quite frankly. And so this came to him in prayer. And so it's really important that people understand the white paper is a destination it's not a roadmap, it's a, it's a framework, it's, uh, it's a sketch, it's a template, is what Archbishop Vigneron called it after he saw it. And the analogy that Deacon Steve gave was, imagine you've retired now and you're moving and you wanna build a retirement home and you have that initial conversation with the builder or the architect. And so here you are, you're, you're gonna pay for this home to be constructed and you sit down and you don't know what the home's gonna look like yet. All you know in that first conversation is as you're talking to the architect, these things here, these are non-negotiables for us as we build our home. Like what's the non-negotiables? We need like a first floor master bedroom. We need first floor laundry. You know, I want a gym, I want a solarium. I mean, who knows what, right? But these are the things that as we now construct our home, as you start coming up with concepts, we gotta have these things in it. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. So even though I just asked you if it makes sense, let me just add one more thing real quickly because again, I think the luxury of our work, and we do experience it as a luxury, is that 
we're not focused right now on how we're going to get to the destination. We're focused on the destination because we're removed, quite frankly, from so many of the impacts of the pandemic on our daily life in terms of work. And again, we think that's a gift from God, which enables us to think about the big picture because if we were in ministry right now in a parish or in a diocese, we would be focusing on the fires. And, and you have to do that. Like the fires are right in front of you. And at the same time, got to try to think about the big picture. We're only thinking about the big picture. We want to propose a what, in other words, trusting that if God is inspiring this, then he will also inspire the how, and he will provide the resources the people and the other resources that we need to make the what happen. Now, does that make sense? Yes, it does. We, we have to begin with the end in mind. So we got to get that end correct. So sticking with that analogy, Father John, of the architect sitting down with the man or the woman wanting to build a new house, what are the non-negotiables we think need to be in place as we reimagine what a Catholic parish can be? Yeah, that's the key question, right? So as we've prayed and thought about this based on our own experience in ministry and then ministering to priests and parishes around the country, we think there's five things uh, that have to be in place or that have to be kept in mind. The first thing is we have to care for priests because over and over again, what we're seeing is um, the only way parishes are going to be transformed is if we can really care for the brothers who lead them. And so at the center of this is making them to be places that are um, what we call centers of excellence for the priests who serve it. And note that we mean plural priests, as you'll see as you read the white, white paper. Um, the second non-negotiable for us is we got to do a great job of caring for um, the people who serve in the parish meaning a couple of things. There's an average right now that we just saw published the other day that a parish has two and a half staff people to assist a pastor mm. in caring for the people in the parish. People, that's just quite frankly not doable. Three and a half people to care for hundreds or thousands of people in a parish. No wonder our parishes are in the trouble that they are, right? So we want to make sure in thinking about this non-negotiable that we think of two things. First, we want to surround the pastor with more people peop and, and the priests with more people and people who have a multitude of gifts. And then we want to care for those people, meaning we want to pay them. <laughs> we want to pay people a just and living wage so that we can go after primary breadwinners in addition to people who might want to serve the church in other capacities. The third non-negotiable for us is um, we want to do these first two things because this will enable the care of the faithful in the pews to get what they quite frankly deserve. Hmm. So the, the faithful in the pews, they deserve the best. They deserve excellence. And so we want to make sure that they are properly uh, pastored, cared for, their needs are met, and that they are equipped for the work that is uniquely theirs as the lay faithful, which is to evangelize and sanctify the world, right? So they're the ones who are supposed to be doing the work of ministry. Those who work in the parish are supposed to be equipping them to do the work for which the church exists 
namely to bring people to the altar, to transformation and whatnot. And then the fourth and the fifth non-negotiables are, are, are related. Uh, you know, at least you can think of them that way. The fourth would be, if we can do these kinds of things, if we can create these centers of excellence, it will mean that those that we call the nuns, which is to say those who have no religious affiliation, which is now roughly a quarter of our country, that we can provide the best opportunities for them to encounter Jesus in a way which can change their lives because we'll just have better resources. And fifth, we'll also have better resources to try to reach out to care for, love on those people who have fallen away from the church. Oftentimes, we know this from our own experience, I know it from mine, because they didn't feel like they were cared for in a parish because the numbers, this isn't an excuse, it's a reality, the numbers didn't allow for it. So we hope that these five things, we would argue vehemently, actually, that these five things are kept in mind as we try to reimagine what a 21st century Catholic parish can be. Thank you, Father John. And on our team, we all know how much prayer has been put into this project. And we're eager for it to get out and to start conversations. And we will certainly be talking a lot more about this on future podcast episodes and other media in the days and weeks to come. But what final thoughts would you leave us with, Father John? Yeah, I think I'd leave us with three. So the first would be simply this, that in order to do this, that one of the things we really got to ask the Lord for right now is courage. And we need to pray for courage for our leaders. So there's a great prayer uh, in the opening collect of Mass early on in the in the uh, season of ordinary time where we've asked the Father to give us the wisdom to see what must be done and the courage to do it. This is going to require a lot of courage because what we're going to be constructing are things which are radically different and we don't like change, <laughs> right? We don't like transformation and this is going to be radical transformation, not radical in the sense of bizarre, radical in the sense of at its roots, which is what that word comes from. And, and we, we think that the passage in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, is a really significant verse here when God says to Abraham uh, to leave the land that he's grown up in and head off to a new land that God will show him. We, we think that's a, a, an image for our time. God is calling us to leave the familiar behind and to set off with great confidence in him. And that's the second point, that God isn't anxious right now. You know, God's not pulling his hair out. This doesn't surprise God what's happening. So if he's not anxious, I don't need to be anxious either. I want to have unshakable confidence in the lordship of Jesus, who by his death and resurrection has defeated the powers of evil and the powers of sin and death. And then the third point would simply be this right now that we'd want to leave people with. As we say over and over again in our ministry, um, you don't happen to be alive right now by chance. You, God could have created you and me to live at any other time in history, but he didn't. He chose you and me to be alive right now. And he saw this pandemic that's happening and the transformations that are going to come as a result of it. And he placed you, he placed bishops in their roles he placed lay leaders in their roles. He placed priests in their roles. He placed lay people in their roles for this moment. And as we say over and over again, and as the title of this podcast, we find Joan of Arc's 
words so inspiring because we think they're true for every single person that we do not need to be afraid right now because God is with us and you and I were born for this moment.